Um, Nehemiah 4, we, a couple of weeks ago, I got through two of four bullet points. So I get the last two. Who knows, you may even get out early. Only God knows that. I don't know that either, so we'll find out shortly. But uh, regardless, if you do, use it for the Lord, whatever. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for extra hours in the day. Aren't you glad it's not raining today? I'm thankful for rain, but after a while, you're like, all right, Lord, this is an overflow of blessing. Uh, my yard's going to be really hard to cut soon. It already is. But um, we're thankful for rain, thankful it wasn't too bad of the flooding and things like that, but uh, it'll be good to see some sunshine today. Nehemiah 4. I'm going to reread the passage that we read two weeks ago. Last uh, week, we were gathered, did a message on Mother's Day, but I want to pick up with uh, Nehemiah 4, starting verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We can put one in your hand. Nehemiah 4, starting with verse 9. We're just going to reread these verses, and then I'll pick up in the middle of where I left off. Verse 9, nevertheless, we made our prayer. There it is again, prayer. To our God, because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. And Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. There's so much rubbish, we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. That's what Satan wants to do in your life and body. He wants to cause the work of God to cease. So it was when the Jews that dwelt near them came and told us ten times, whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Ten times. Fear was tried to be instilled. Verse 13, Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall, at the openings. I set the people according to their families, so each of the most vulnerable places, and notice families are mentioned here, and the families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it happened, and it happened, when our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had brought their plan to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you for your word. Without your word, we'd have no reason to have hope, but you've given us hope through your word. We'd have nothing to really look at, meditate on, and, and Lord, savor this morning, but you've given us your word to strengthen us, to deliver us from fear, to deliver us, Lord, from apathy, to deliver us, Lord, from deception, and Lord, but also to build us up that we might be used by your spirit to build others up. Lord, we pray that you'd bring the enemy's plans to nothing. Lord, I know that he doesn't like your word taught. And I pray, Lord, that you'd remove me, but you'd also remove him and that only Jesus would be heard here in this room today. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Now, if you recall, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we looked at what Nehemiah had done and it's just uh, the map we've been using of the wall and so he took and said, look, uh, we've got some areas that are more vulnerable. We need to get these gates addressed. The gates have to get locked. We've got to be able to kind of... Did any of you like to lock your doors at night? 
or do you kind of like leave the front door wide open? Even if you're not afraid of people coming in, I don't want a raccoon walking in either or a possum. I know they're adorable, but you don't want to find one in the dark, right? So, you know, he said, look, we've got to get the, the most vulnerable places addressed first. And, and so God wants to teach us what are the vulnerable areas in our life? What are the people around us? We're, talk, we're talking about praying for the teens of America. They're vulnerable, aren't they? The guy says, I'm calling on you to shore up those areas to fight for our sons and for our daughters and for not just, all, you know, it says our, which is collective, not just your, but our, because um, your sons and daughters matter a lot to me personally, even though they're not my sons and daughters. Does someone else's matter to you? Because Nehemiah said, we're going to put everyone on the wall, but everyone on the wall is going to have to play a role in fighting for everybody else on the wall and building up this wall because everyone in the city, God wants all of them to be safe. He wants all of them to be brought in. He wants all of them to have the gates and the walls secured. Now, they had made significant progress. Remember, they had cried out to the Lord. They had prayed. If you remember that... Uh, uh, they, had, they had a lot of intimidation. They had real issues to deal with, we talked about. Real issues of fear. And, you know, they weren't just, uh, it wasn't just that uh, the job itself is a big job, and it was a big job. It wasn't just that there was the heat of the day. It wasn't just that, you know, there was going to be fatigue. But in the midst of all that, you ever been tired and you feel stressed at the same time? You ever feel Really tired and anxious at the same time? Tired plus maybe you feel depressed. Tired plus maybe you're feeling fear. Because actually those emotions plus your physical fatigue is a double pummeling you down. So they had real issues. You ever had someone say, man, you got issues? <laughs> and you would say back to them, you don't know the half of it. Hey, don't worry, they have issues too. Some people kind of hide it really good. You're not hiding it from God that you have issues. Everybody has issues. And we don't have to hide it from God. Matter of fact, he wants us to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. He says, look, I know you have issues, and, but I've also, at the same time, we have issues to deal with. We have a job to do. Kind of hard to do sometimes, isn't it? We say, Lord, I've got a lot on my plate Plus, I feel this weight. You want us to rebuild the city, and by the way, we're, they're threatening to kill us. Got all that going on. They're intimidating. They're saying you'll never finish it anyway. We talked about that uh, part of our issues is the voices in our own head, right? We don't need someone else to tell us we can't get the job done. We tell ourselves we can't get the job done. By the way, we can't get the job done. God can get the job done. He's never even told us you had the strength. I've, I've quoted this many times. I'll quote it for the rest of my life. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. That actually liberates me now. The more I rest in the fact that I can do nothing, nothing. I can't pour a bowl of cereal without, in an in in, in absolute literal sense. If God did not keep me alive, I couldn't do that. The very breath you took 10 seconds ago was because of God. And the more we realize that, it actually lifts weights off of us. You say, I don't have to be the hero anymore. I don't have to hold up the world. My issues belong to him. Everybody's got real, they had real issues. Nehemiah felt the pressure. They felt the pressure. 
The enemy was real. The threats were not fake threats. These were very real threats. This was a real army. I've told a couple weeks ago, I don't have anyone that I'm currently aware of threatening to kill me. Not a human being. Now, the enemy comes after me. I deal with spiritual attacks. I deal with spiritual warfare. I'm sure that some of you do. But if you ever decide to be a pastor, you're going to find a bullseye you've never felt before. I know I have. I know other pastors have. That's why I meet with other pastors around town, and we build, and build up and encourage one another because we know that the attacks are real. However, we don't have what our brothers and sisters in North Korea or the Middle East or parts of Africa or Southeast Asia. I don't have any government officials saying, say it one more time and you're going to jail. Say it one more time and off goes your head or whatever you know, the threat may be. But whatever the issues are, they had issues and God helped them see that I've got the strength you need to go forward. And they did. They found the strength. They, they found that resolve. And we looked at the fact that they had a, um, a resolved response. That God kind of, you ever feel like God gives you a little bit of courage just to take that step forward? I felt it many times. I kind of wish it would never leave, but God has us kind of cling to him. I mean, I really wish it would never leave. I wish, Lord, you know, but it, the apostles, after they had been thrown in jail in the book of Acts, then they, they cried out, Lord, they said, Lord, give us boldness. They were, they were already bold guys, wouldn't you say? And they said, give us boldness, because even though they had made progress, they knew that in their flesh there was always the potential, no matter how much progress they had made, isn't there always the potential to fall back? That's why the Bible has this term, backsliding. Many people are in a backslidden state. They've lost the resolve to fight for the Lord, to fight in the strength of the Lord. They've lost their love for the Lord. They've lost their first love, and so there's no more resolve response. But the people here in chapter 4, they felt God speak to them, say, look, as in, they prayed in verse 9, nevertheless we prayed our God, and because then we set a watch day and night, they felt the strength of the Lord. They said, Lord, we don't know how. We don't, we're not feeling this but we're going to set a watch and we're going to move forward. And we talked about that no sooner had they done that, in verse 10, the strength was failing. You take that step, Lord, I just did exactly what you said to do, and now I feel like I'm way late again. We talked about the fact that you sometimes need the second wind of God, the third wind of God, the fourth wind of God, the fifth wind. You say, I've lost track. So have I. But he then breathes on us again, and we're able to resolve and move forward. And it's, that, that's kind of the way he's designed us biologically. Every day, we're wiped out. Did you know God never has to get to bed? Did you never? You know, he never says, man, it's about 10, 15. I better turn everything off, slow my brain down, and get to sleep. God never says, you know, I've got a big day tomorrow. I better get a good night's sleep. God never says, you know, it's been six days, and I've worked all six days. I need to find a Sabbath rest. He did, all, he did each of these things for our weaknesses. They were models for us. God doesn't sleep or slumber, the Scriptures say. He never tires. He's perpetually awake, perpetually full of strength. But he knows that we're not. So he says, you have to kind of get some rest. Let me breathe into you and start all over again tomorrow. You, don't you love Mondays? So 
Some of you had, you tried to put money out of your mind. I just put it back in your mind. <laughs> Come back in. It's still Sunday. It's okay. Monday's tomorrow. Come back to Sunday for just a moment. But every week, we need God to kind of breathe into us, say, Lord, give me the resolve to parent the way you've called me to do. Give me the resolve to be patient with people. That coworker that, Lord, if I wasn't saved, <laughs> this tongue has lots of wisdom to give them, has lots of things that would really set them straight, right? And God gives us the resolve to say, look, you were once there too. You once were just as foolish. You once were just as kind of mean-spirited. You once were just as a pain in their side. God gives us the resolve to go forward. Say, Lord, I, I don't know if I can do this another day. I don't know if I can do... God says, you can because in your weakness, I am made strong. He gave them the resolve. Their legs felt wobbly, but he, he strengthened their legs. He strengthened their arm. He strengthened the mind. That's the, that's the place we battle the most, isn't it? That's where we're either defeated or we find victory because that, that's why we're talking about on Wednesday night... I, Wish more of you were able to come Wednesday night. Maybe you are, and maybe God wants you to come. Maybe you're not, and you can watch it the next day or listen to the podcast or whatever. But, you know, we were talking about on Wednesday night that God wants us to set our mind on things above. You have to set your mind there. It doesn't just go to the place of the Lord. Your mind naturally is down here in the dust. It's naturally on the very temporal thing, kind of just getting by. And God says, I want you to kind of come up and find spiritual strength that only comes in the throne room of grace, the resolve to move forward. And I, don't, I can't preach two weeks ago. We're going to get moving. But they found the resolve to get moving again. They started. And just as they, all of this was going on, verse uh, 11 and 12, um, you know, they, they're making progress again. They, they set a watch. They're, they're doing the best they can to, to kind of proceed. And they keep hearing these doubts and these threats. And uh, verse 12, 10 times, 10 times the enemy came. Well, it wasn't the, uh, it was actually, it wasn't just the enemy. It was their peer group of other Jewish people that, that's hands weren't necessarily even doing the work. That's part of the problem. But they came and they were constantly telling everybody else up there doing the work, you know, they're going to kill us. You know, they're going to kill us. You know they're going to kill us. You need to surround yourself. I need to surround myself with people that encourage me in the faith, that say, you can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need people in my life that say, you can finish the marathon of this life. Not people say, you might as well give up. Take a pill. Have this bottle. You know, just zone out, chill out, check out, whatever it is. They had 10 times. If you ever thought, Lord, when will this kind of doubt stop coming? Just hold the line in Jesus because it will keep coming. And eventually, if we resist the enemy in truth and in just surrender to the Lord, eventually the enemy will flee from us. But it doesn't come easy. 10 times the same threat came. Have you had the same doubt or the same fear or the same worry come to you more than once? How about more than twice? How about more than four times? You say, well, you said ten times. I've had it a hundred times. Ten is just a number. The point is it's repetitive. And they were able to eventually, well, they got to the place 
that even though they were working, Nehemiah saw that the people were already feeling that feeling again, that even though their faith, they had a resolve, they had these issues, they had the resolve, they were making progress, and now they're doubting again. We talked about it was similar when Peter said, Lord, I know it's you. If it's me, come out. Let me get out of the boat. So he gets out of the boat, walking on the water, right? So far, so good. Making progress, getting towards Jesus. Then he realizes, men don't walk on water. This can't happen. Down he goes. And so we find God allows things in our life. We say, there's no way I can handle this. When God says, you already took four steps that you never thought you could take. I know, but those four were a miracle. Well, so will the next ten be. And so we pick it up with what Nehemiah says. He positioned men, verse 13, behind the lower parts of the wall. He had everybody, look, in the middle of however you're feeling, God has promised us. God has given us a promise. He's going to prosper us. He's going to help us complete this job. I want each of you to take a spear. I want each of you to take these swords, these bows, but also the building materials. Verse 14, I looked and arose and said to the nobles, the leaders, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid. Finally, Nehemiah says, look, I, I can see that many of you are so weary you're ready to give up. You had had some resolve. You had taken steps. I've seen this in, the Christ, I've seen this in Christians so many times where I see them catch fire for about four weeks. And then all of a sudden, where'd they go? What happened? They've thrown the towel back in. God had, the same God that caught them, you know, and, and convinced them they could live for Christ, <coughs> they need someone in their life. Now, obviously, it has to be the Holy Spirit. But you and me need to be a Nehemiah in somebody's life and put an arm around somebody and say, thus saith the Lord. Don't be afraid. Put an arm around them. That's what Nehemiah does collectively. He stands up. He says, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. He doesn't say, remember Nehemiah. He doesn't say, remember me. I'm the big shot that came here. Remember me? He doesn't say that. He says, remember the Lord. If you're going to encourage anybody, tell them to remember the Lord. Now, you'll be used because you'll be a voice for the Lord, but you're not the Lord. You're not able to be their strength, but you're able to point them to strength. And God wants to use each of us. He says, remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons and daughters. And if you're taking notes, this is where we're picking up today, remembering God. Remembering God. It's the Lord that settles our mind. It's the Lord that confirms a course of action. He says here, to fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Nehemiah says, you've got the tools, but you have to believe. There has to, be that, there has to be that spark of faith. You have to say, Lord, I know that you're great. I know that you're awesome. I know that you will help me fight. That's why David faced Goliath, not because David said, I'm bigger. He wasn't. Not because he said he's stronger. He wasn't. He said, I know that my God will help me. You have to know, brother and sister in this room, your God will help you. Remember your God. That's why we're to set our mind on things above. Because when we look up at Jesus on the throne, everything else looks small after that. The Lord settles our mind. We're resolved to continue our calling. We're resolved to say, I can be 
a mom even though I'm exhausted. I can be a light at the office even though everybody else there hates the Lord and uses Jesus' name as a swear word. I can be used of the Lord even though I've got some rough family situations right now that make me not, you know, not even want to get out of bed or whatever it is. Because God wants to give us a resolve because our enemy is absolutely resolved, isn't he? Satan doesn't take a day off. He's a spirit being. Our flesh fights against us, but God's given us the spirit. And we have to remember the Lord our God who activates that inner man and inner woman and says, I will help you. I will be your strength. The Lord is my strength and my redeemer. The backstop of our commitment to laboring for the Lord, this is going to be deep, is the Lord. Did you catch that deep doctrinal truth? The backstop of our commitment to laboring for the Lord is the Lord. The one who gives you the commandment is the one that gives you the power to keep it. You can't get it from your husband or wife. It's great to have a spouse. You can't get it from your neighbor, sibling, brother, sister. The others can actually remind you of the Lord, but the strength only comes from above. He's the one that gives us the ability to go forward and when we remember God, he says, I've got your back, I've got your front, I've got both sides. Hebrews 12, 1, looking unto Jesus. Nehemiah knows that the potential for new lines of attacks, new tactics, a new or increased threat is possible. It's possible that Satan could attack you and me in a way that we've never been attacked before. We don't like to hear that, but it's possible. When I meet families that have never gone through cancer before, that's new. Someone's lost a, a, a loved one or a spouse. That's new. Situations come that we've never experienced. But even though Satan can come at us in new or different ways, our anchor is unassailable, and that's the Lord. There's, God's seen it all, hasn't he? He's defeated it all. Tozer said, A.W. Tozer said, True faith rests upon the character of God and asks for no further proof. Do you trust in the character of God? Do you really trust in the character of God? I, I can tell you at times I have not. And when I don't trust in the character of God, it costs me. God says you have needless pain to bear. Needless pain to bear because you've yet to fully trust in my... Now I'm learning. I'm a, anyone here a slow learner like me when it comes to God? I'm learning to trust the character of God. He is faithful and true. Those are his names. Do you know what we are? Not faithful or true. We are anything but. So once we get in our heads that God is faithful and true, and we don't have to carry these burdens, we can cast them all on him, that apart from him we can do nothing. All of these things help us to remember God is holy, God is perfect, God never tires, and we trust in the nature of God. It transforms how we present our problems. And then, oh, by the way, once God actually makes you a little uncomfortable in life, you really thirst for his presence. Because then you realize that all the other stuff doesn't really satisfy. If you could have all the money you want, all the vacations you want, all the fun you want, all the this you want, all the pats on the back you want, you realize none of those things actually satisfy. Nehemiah says, that won't get you to tomorrow, but you better remember your God. Amen? God never tires. He never wearies. never worries. He never is figuring something out. He's never needing anyone's help. 
He's never frightened. He's never caught off guard. He's never concerned. And he wants to build that same spirit in us. You know that there's brothers and sisters in time past that have come to know more. I'm not saying perfection, but I've been praying, Lord, give me the faith that Peter ended up having. Give me the faith that Paul ended up having. I'm not saying it came easy because you've got to fight some battles to get that kind of faith. You've got to win some, uh, win some wars. You ever heard of Polycarp? Anyone ever heard of him? Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna. He was what we believe the last pastor to have been directly trained, taught by the apostles themselves. He quotes Paul numerous times in his own writings to the church. Um, his mentor was the apostle John. Polycarp's How about that being your mentor? Hey, who's your mentor? The apostle John. The oldest living apostle. The only one that was, didn't die a martyr's death, even though the Romans tried to kill him. Polycarp was in his 80s when Roman persecution really started to catch fire. And, and the city actually didn't want to kill all the Christians. They just wanted them to stop acting like Christians. By the way, Satan doesn't necessarily want to you be a martyr. He just wants you to not be a light. So they, they wanted Polycarp to just silence his mouth. And here's what they wanted him to do. They wanted him to just offer a little incense to Caesar and just say a simple phrase or something to the effect of, Caesar is Lord. And they even said to him, it's no big deal. You still have your God. He wouldn't budge on it. This went on for quite some time. He would not budge. Finally, they said, if you don't do it, you're going to be killed. We're going to, we're going to kill you. You're going to receive capital punishment. So other Christians didn't want him to die. They begged him to kind of go into hiding. So he went outside the city and stayed on a farm for outside the, sometime, somewhere outside the city there in, in Smyrna. But when he did that, which he didn't really want to do, he was just kind of responding to the, to the body of the church who wanted to protect him. He said, I'm ready to die. But they said, no, 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 just go and go into hiding. And, but then they started to come to his house and some of the servants where he lived, they started to torture and then he said he couldn't let them be tortured, so he came and gave himself in. And they took him into an arena, and they said, look, we're going we're gonna to give you more chances to do this simple, just, just give a little bit of honor to Caesar, let everybody know you believe Caesar is Lord. Wouldn't do it. This goes back and forth. The proconsul, the Roman proconsul is like, look, this is going to cost you your life if you don't do this. He said, I don't, I don't care. I'm ready to die. Not just because I'm in my 80s, but because I will not deny the Lord. Now, by the way, where does this kind of courage come from? It comes from years of remembering that God is God and that our life is but a vapor. We're scared of our own shadow in America because we don't really know the power of God. But he, he believed in all this. He said, look, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to deny the Lord. They're like, if you don't, we're going to feed you to wild beast. Earlier that morning, though, he'd had a dream in the last dream he had before he woke up, his pillow caught on fire. And he told some of the believers that were with him, he goes, I believe I'm going to, be, I'm going to die by fire. They said, we're going to throw you to the wild beast. We're going to have them tear you limb to limb if you don't confess what we're asking. He says, let them out. I'm ready to go. Let them out. pro council says, all right, since you're not afraid of the wild beast, I'm going to build a fire and you're going to burn to death. Remember, he had the dream and his pillow caught on fire that same morning. And he said, well, you better start getting the wood together. 
And they pleaded with him back and forth, and finally they see there was no... So they built the wood pyre, and some of the Roman uh, leaders wanted to nail him to the post so he couldn't move. He said, you don't have to nail me to the post. He goes, I'm not going to move. He said, they tied his hands. He stood on the wood pile. They light, lit the fire, and the fires wouldn't burn him. They went around him. They wouldn't char his skin. But witnesses said all of a sudden he became like metal refined of fire. And he just, they couldn't believe that the fires were not burning this man. And he's just looking there, hand, tied behind his back. You know how they had to kill him? He had to reach through the fire with a sword to kill him with a sword because the fires refused to burn him. Isn't that amazing? Where does that kind of courage come from? It comes from remembering our God. Not just once, not just twice. You've got to remember him today. You're going to have to remember him again tomorrow. You're going to have to remember him the next day. You're going to have to keep remembering that the same God of Polycarp and Peter and Paul is the same God. He can give us much greater faith. But we have to draw near. I don't know. I want that kind of faith. I, I, I really do. Our God is unlimited. Our enemy is severely limited. He can't even make fire work unless God says it will work. Amen? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found that out, right? And God wasn't done with them. They actually walked back out, and God says, all right, you got more time left. Go do it. Go get the work done. This work has to be done. We remember the Lord. He comes to our aid. We resolve by faith and not fear. And we remember that God is our source. He don't ever leave us nor forsake us. Faithful servants of God have always been used by the Lord down through the ages to stir people up. You know, Polycarp was used. The church became more bold after that. Thanks, Rome. Right? The church became more bold after that. The very thing that they... Remember the enemy saying, we're going to stop the rebuilding of the wall? Nehemiah stands up saying, we're going to catch a second wind. Rome says, we're going to kill the church. The church says, we're going to catch a second wind. God used Polycarp to stand up. But he uses Nehemiah here to stand up. And he wants you to stand up. Charles Spurgeon said... Faithful preachers among God's are among God's best gifts. And I didn't say that because I'm a preacher, because I don't think I'm a great gift yet. Someday I hope to be. But, but I believe that Polycarp was a great gift to the church. I believe Charles Spurgeon was a great gift to the church. I believe Nehemiah was a great gift to God's people. Do you agree with that? I believe Paul was a great gift. We're reading, I believe Peter was a great gift. He was the first pastor of their church. And God has given people to be gifts. Did you know in your house God wants you to be a great gift to your family? Dad, he wants you to be the prophet and the priest. He wants you to be not just a biological father, but the greatest gift to your kids. Father's Day is coming up. He wants you to be the gift of someone that pointed them to the Lord. Mothers, he wants you to be a mother like Jochebed that we talked about last week. That kind of gift. Anyone can give physical gifts. Nehemiah gives spiritual strength. People are about to bail. And Nehemiah goes, stop. Remember your God. You can't buy courage at the bank. You can't buy anything at the bank, can you? That's something, but uh, a loan maybe. Then you don't buy that either. So you, a store, whatever. I thank, I thank the Lord for the gifts of faith. Pastor Chuck was a faithful gift. Pastor Joe Foch will be going up, a few of us, to the pastor's conference uh, tomorrow. He's been a faithful gift. Dr. Charles Stanley faithful gift to the American church. I, I can go on and on. There's just people that God has given. They're not perfect. They're not 
oh, they're so perfect that not a single thing that they've ever done we could scrutinize. No, they've made a mistake, but they've been faithful gifts. But God wants everyone in this room. You might be the person that can be used in someone's life that I never would be or that the person beside you never would be, but you want to tell them, hey, remember God. Remember God. When we remember God and our call in living, we'll remember the importance and the value of saving and fighting for others. That's why he says, remember the Lord. Awesome. Now go fight for your sons and your daughter. God's given us a reason to fight the good fight. Amen? If you knew a battle was winnable, would it make you more ready to fight? If you knew it was winnable, I'm here to tell you, on the authority of Scripture, every single spiritual battle that everyone in this room has is winnable in Jesus Christ. Therefore, you can go back and fight. You put on the whole armor of God, say, but you don't know my problem. We all have the same, we all have to know our God. Amen? Every battle is winnable. I don't care if, what it is, relationship-wise, emotions, hurts, pains, physical, whatever it is, every battle is winnable. And that's why he says, go fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, and your houses. This is a winnable war, Nehemiah is saying. Not because I'm your leader, not because you guys are really good at this. Some of you have never even built a wall. Some of you have never handled a spear or a sword. He says, none of that's, none of that's important. It's winnable because your God is awesome. You know that song, Our God is an Awesome God? Do you want me to sing? No, you don't. Um, <laughs> Our God is an Awesome God? It's true. Sometimes I, I, what comes to my mind is some of the children's songs that they sing. And I start to think about the children's song. They have some of the deep truth. That one, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. When you start feeling no joy, just start singing that song to yourself. You'll laugh like a five-year-old to yourself. <laughs> because they're theologically true. Theos, God. They remind us and remember God. Lives are at stake. Our lives are at stake. Souls are at stake. Adults, teens, which we talked about, children are at stake. The family is at stake. Your brothers and sisters are at stake. This very church is at stake. Your marriage is at stake. Other marriages are at stake. Other families are at stake. Other relationships. The stakes are very high. And this is what Nehemiah is saying. He's saying, your God wants you to fight for things that matter. Don't you hate seeing people on Facebook fighting for dumb stuff that you know isn't, doesn't matter a hill of beans? The life of Jesus was about two primary points. Jesus came and he showed us how to live life. The life of Jesus was about two primary points. One, it was about the will and glory of God. And second, it was about our salvation. You start making your life about the will and glory of God, and about souls, you're going to start defeating a lot of enemies in your life. Guarantee it. Jesus made himself of no reputation. The problem with many of Americans, and even in the church, is they're trying to have a reputation. They want to be known for something. God says, stop wanting to be known for something and know me. Know me. The reality of the Christian life is that we're to become less that he might be more in us. We're called to follow in the footsteps of Christ, to bring glory to God and to bring God to others. The Lord is always calling his people from self-absorption and self-adoration to God-absorption and God-adoration, remembering God in our worship and our prayers. 
The Lord wants to deliver us from fear and doubt, but he also wants to deliver us from apathy and carelessness. Some of you in this room are gripped by fear, but some of you are gripped by apathy. One's not better than the other. One might feel more painful. One, you might feel like, I, I feel like snoozing spiritually constantly. You need to be woken by the Spirit. But if you're dominated by you know, fear and things like that, then God wants to deliver from that too. But either case, it's to remember the Lord our God. And the action required, first we've got to remember, we've got to set our mind on Him. And then we've got to fight. Not in our strength, but on our knees. Just like God called to build, he doesn't call us to win or succeed, but he calls us to put ourselves in position to win in the spirit. Because God, I can't make winning happen. Neither can you. But I can get on the winning side of the Lord. Amen? Amen. I can get behind Jesus and build in his strength and fight in his strength. God doesn't say uh, just, you know, you make it happen. He says, to remember me. And it will happen. We can't focus on... I've been saying this to our men. We had our bottom rowers, and we had over 30 men. The ladies beat us. They had over 46 at their thing, men. Just saying. But anyway, uh, we had over 30 men. And, and I was telling them, I said, guys, we cannot focus on the things we can't do. We must focus on what we can do. You can stop and pray, which is not stopping. It's actually moving forward. You can say, I'm going to send a text of encouragement to another brother. You can start thinking outside of ourselves. And when we do, God will honor it in our own hearts, in our own lives. He's given us the ability to do something. We have to start with what we can do, not focus on what we can't do. One person couldn't rebuild the wall, but someone's going to say, I can build this two-foot section. Right? Start saying, Lord, help me, do, help me take these little small steps. And they do. Wrapping it up here in verse, um, in verse 15. And it happened. So often when we hear the words, and it happened, we assume or think, oh no, not a good word. You know, right? When we hear, if our kids say, guess what just happened? Well, sometimes the tone is a dead giveaway, right, parents? We know the tone. I'll never forget... Um, uh, I don't know how old I was. My, bro my oldest brother's 10 years older than me. And he was headed out on a date. And I heard a crash in the driveway. And I was like, I'm young, but I think I know what just happened. <laughs> Dad's car is black and can't be seen. The station wagon's bright yellow, which he jumped into. Never saw the black car. I mean, just, you remember Grand Torino's? A Grand Torino station wagon will will crush a, a black Pinto. Remember Pintos? <laughs> and when you're excited to go on the date, you put it in full reverse, not just like, not just partial reverse, full reverse. And it, and it happened. <laughs> Dad, guess what? No, we all heard what happened, you know? But in life, we usually think, and it happened is not a good thing, but not here. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us that the Spirit had revealed that they couldn't win. The Spirit had strengthened the people. The Spirit had filled their legs with strength. The fear, Spirit had come in and had washed away the fear that it was known to us that God had brought their plot to nothing. Oh, man, that's my prayer for all of us in this room, that whatever Satan's schemes are against you, God would bring it to nothing. Nothing. 
That's what God wants to do. I, I, sometimes I don't believe that either. I'm like, Lord, I, I'm sure you've hung me out here to dry. You ever feel that way? But then I'll read in the Bible that everyone else felt the same way. But they had to come to their senses and remember their God. And once they remember their God, there is revived progress. Do you know God wants to revive progress in your life here today? He wants to revive spiritual progress. Say, I used to be making spiritual progress. I'm not now. God says, I am the God of 1,000 chances, but really more. I'm just, that's just a number. He gives a lot of new chances. He wants to revive progress. And it happened that their plot was brought to nothing, so all of us returned to the wall. Everyone does work. Have you stopped working? Have you stopped serving the way that God wanted you to serve? Have you, has the enemy convinced you to kind of throw on the towel or to live in fear or to not take steps you're supposed to be taking or not trust the Lord? I'm not beating you up on I'm saying that God wants to reinvigorate you and bring the enemy's plot to nothing. The enemy always wants to stop the work of God. God wants to flourish the work in our lives. And it happens, speaks of God bringing about this fresh wind of confidence. Do you need God to breathe confidence into your life? Many of us do. I would say in some respects, every single person here does. In some area. You're not strong in every single area. There might be something that you need God to breathe the confidence in. But it will only come, his confidence comes first in humility and belief. We have to humble ourselves and believe his promises. Then he will breathe that wind of confidence into our hearts, into our spirit. But remember, there was a short stop. It looked like the enemy had stopped the work temporarily. It says they had to return to the work. That means for a little bit there, everybody kind of said, I don't know if this is going to work. But in the, in the stoppage came some prayer time and some preaching time. Nehemiah gave a little message. Everybody prayed. And if you stop to pray, remember we talked about that it's not really stopping. Stopping to pray is actually a force multiplier and continuing. Do you believe that? If the enemy has you feeling defeated, you have to stop and pray. So, and sometimes not by yourself. They did this together. You need to come to our prayer meetings. By the way, someday you're going to need a prayer meeting that you've never needed before. You might want to start coming now that God will bless and help you in your time of need so you can come and intercede for other people. Don't come to prayer meetings because you need it only. Come because other people need it. Nehemiah wasn't there just because of him. He was there for them too. And we have to be there for bearing each other's burdens because God wants to breathe that confidence into somebody else, but he wants us to care collectively. He wants to revive our progress together. We're talking about abounding in adversity together. So yes, there was a short stop, but stopping to pray means stopping to recenter on the Lord. Amen? Stop and recenter on the Lord. His plans, his promises, his priorities. That's not stopping, but it's moving forward in faith. God wants to give us those second chances, those third chances, those fourth chances that we need to abound in his work. God's definition of success um, is to, you know what his real definition of success is? It's to reject our own flesh. When we do that, everything else will follow. To reject our own flesh, to reject the lies of the enemy, to put one foot in front of the other for the Lord is success to say, I could never serve over there in children's ministry. You can. You won't get the polycarp stuff until way down the road. Just go over there first. No one's asking for that kind of 
you know, upper level classes, you can do it. One foot in front of the other. Trust God. Believe he's moving on your behalf. Believe he will work through you. He's not looking for talented people. He's looking for yielded people. Just yielded people. He'll work on our, our behalf behind the scenes, even ways that we're not even sensing yet. I believe that the more I draw near to God, God's working on my behalf, defeating enemies in ways that I can't even see yet. When I get to heaven, I'll look and say, that's what you were doing. That's what you were opening doors. God's going to use us. Here's the deal. If God's for us, who can be against us? I know that's a simple truth, but it's profound truth. If God is for us, is there anything that could actually be against us? And he, here's the great news. He is for us. It's not an if, he, if God be for us. He is for us. We don't have to wonder if he's for us. He is for us. He wasn't just for Nehemiah, just for the people of Jerusalem. He's for each of us right now, today. What does he want us to do? If we know he's for us, what does he want us to do? If, he, if we know he's for us, what does he want us to do with the knowledge that God is for us, that he'll never forsake us, that his power is limitless, that he never tires? If we know this to be true, what does he want us to do? He wants us to wait it out, walk it out, pray it out, and allow our faith to be worked out. You were hoping it would be just, I'd just say a simple yes and poof, like a Disney fairy. Poof, everything just goes away, right? Nope. Wait it out. Walk it out in the faith. Pray it out and allow God to work it out. And when we do that, he breathes that confidence, that renewal into us. Say, Lord, I'm going to grab another little brick. Here's my trowel. Here's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Bible. And I'm going to get back to taking one step and believing. Say, Lord, I believe that you're going to do more than help me survive, but to thrive and to grow. God is faithful. He'll keep it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we have an... Even though we know we have an adversary, we have an advocate who even right now, Jesus, you are praying and interceding for every single believer in this room that whatever their problems are, whatever, whatever has stopped the work, and maybe it hasn't just been a stoppage to pray. Maybe it's just been a stoppage to worry some more or to, to feel like giving up, Lord. But we know that you are for us, not against us, to stir us, to revive us, to refresh us, that we would run and not be weary, that we'd walk and not faint, that you would cause us to rise up with wings like an eagle. And so, Lord, in this room, I know that there's real issues. There's maybe a desire to be resolved, but not the strength to do it. And, Lord, I pray that you would, by your spirit, breathe into your people, myself included, Lord, that we would know our God, remember our God, experience our God, the strength of our God. Lord, what you did for Polycarp, what you did for Peter, what you did for Nehemiah, Lord, you're not saving that for a special few. Lord, that's available to all of us. Faith and peace that surpasses all human understanding. And Lord, we know that you're faithful. We have big jobs to do. Not only to reach the world with the gospel, but Lord, just some of the jobs in our own homes, in our workplace, in our area, and, and the fatigue is there, the pressure is there. And Lord, I pray that even now, Lord, that you would remind us to cast all of our cares upon you. 
to set our eyes above, Lord, that you'll take care of those things. And Lord, we know that you will. Lord, I ask that you would just strengthen us and give us, Lord, a heart for the things that are eternal. Give us a compassion for the lost, Lord, that our heart would be so focused on you, we wouldn't have time to worry about things that the enemy would use to bog us down. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.